and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Elliot Bowman, and I'm joined by Suman Naishadam. Hello, everyone. And Joe Cease. What's going on, Elliot? And we are a new podcast team. We'll be heading this podcast for the semester for longtime listeners of Speaking Startup. And on today's program, we're looking at the Missouri startup scene in 2019. We're checking in with the biggest startup ecosystems throughout Missouri. We'll have guests from Kansas City, Springfield, St. Louis, and Columbia talk about what makes their startup environment unique. But first, we'll dive into this week's headlines. Let's speak startup. Last week, the founders of 13 Midwestern startups received 2019 Pipeline Fellowships. Pipeline, a Kansas City-based nonprofit, provides fellowships to entrepreneurs in the Midwest, giving them access to its national network of experts. Gina Scopi, founder Andrew Barnett of St. Louis, won Innovator of the Year for 2019. Civic leaders in Kansas City have six months to show financial support for the Keystone Innovation District, a proposed high-tech block near the city's East Crossroads neighborhood. In recent weeks, backers of the district signed a pre-development agreement to spend at least $90 million constructing it. Some of the hub's possible backers are the Civic Council of Greater Kansas City, the Greater Kansas City Chamber of Commerce, and the KC Area Development Council. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is offering grants worth $600 million in low-interest loans to help grow broadband in rural areas. The department announced that in December. In rural America, a lack of access to high-speed internet is still one of the largest barriers to economic development. Missouri is home to 30 counties where more than one-third of homes and businesses are not connected by high-speed internet. Applications for the USDA grants open this spring and summer. Global Hack, a St. Louis-based nonprofit dedicated to using technology to drive social impact, received a $30,000 award from MasterCard to fund a program called Code with the Cause 2019. The program will pair teams of tech professionals with 10 local nonprofits who will then work on real-world tech challenges. The event is sponsored by MasterCard, which operates out of its office in O'Fallon and will take place in late February. Two startups won investment this week through a new St. Louis pitch competition. Shafit's STL launch, sponsored by the Shafit's Group Investment, was modeled after Shark Tank. No Inc., an election technology startup, won $1 million equity investment. Juristat, which tracks patient data, won 200000 Those are this week's headlines. Let's get into some interviews. Our first stop is in Kansas City, where Elliot spoke to Startland News reporter Austin Barnes. Elliot, what do you guys talk about? We chatted about Startland's list of 12 startups to watch in 2019. You can check out the list at startlandnews.com. I spoke with Austin about why they compiled the list and how entrepreneurs in KC and beyond can use it as a resource. Austin, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Hey, thanks for having me. What are some notable highlights from this year's list of startups to watch? Yeah, I think this year's list is a very wide range of companies. We have people with very broad backgrounds and who are coming together to do very disruptive things here in Kansas City. But there are also some very simple things as well. So people who are just disrupting the kombucha uh, business, people who are disrupting the tire sales and installation business. So these really simple ideas, things we use every day, but the people in Kansas City are really making some positive strides towards improving for all of us. Why does Starland compile these lists? What does it contribute to the KC startup scene? Yeah, so one of the primary things that Startland does as a publication is publish stories and find stories that elevate entrepreneurs and ecosystem builders here in the Kansas City startup ecosystem. So putting this list together is one of those ways that we can do our part to recognize the work that they're doing in the community, but also help share the story and the impact that they're making here in the community by giving them a platform to 
What networking opportunities does the list afford the 12 companies that were selected? Yeah, by bringing the companies together uh, for the big networking event, like you mentioned there, and putting them together on the list, it does tend to build a sense of camaraderie. It helps to create collisions for those companies. Maybe they could help each other out by getting together in the same room uh, and then kind of, again, building the ecosystem further by connecting more and more people. What's next for these startups in 2019? They've made the list. Now what will the startups be looking to do? companies have to go through in order to get on the list, or they have to kind of submit to a, a survey that we give to them uh, that kind of forecasts the entire year ahead, what they're expecting to do, what they're planning to do, uh, and they outline all of that for us. And so that goes into the final decision to, to put them on the list. So a lot of the information they give us, I can't release, but I can give you kind of an idea of what some of them are doing. A lot of it involves capital raises. Uh, and, you know, if some of the uh, numbers that we've seen are correct, these startups that we have uh, researched for this list stand to raise almost a billion dollars in 2019. So lots of funding, uh, lots of growth in terms of platform expansions and things of that nature. Uh, some of our more brick and mortar companies that have made the list are looking to expand. So just plenty of expansion and funding opportunities for these companies. That, that seems to be sort of the trend this year with the 12 companies on the list. What are the most important things KC startups can take from the list? I think the most important thing for other startups to uh, take away from this list and to look for in terms of opportunities, maybe like you say, they want to you know get on a future list or, or looking at those companies who are on the list now, uh, are those networking opportunities. So, you know, Startland hosts those throughout the year. Uh, there are plenty of other events in Kansas City that celebrate entrepreneurs, like Global, Entre Global Entrepreneurship Week, which took place in November. Uh, so just looking for ways to get connected with those uh, types of uh, events, organizations, but also just looking at the list as well and seeing what these companies are doing and not being afraid to reach out to those founders and maybe, you know, grab coffee, start up a conversation with them because these people are doing really important work here in the city. And by connecting with them, you never know what's going to happen. So it's just creating those collisions and taking that initiative to talk to like-minded people and just see what can come of it. Our next stop, Springfield, home of Missouri State University's E-Factory. The E-Factory is an entrepreneurship program that offers co-working space, accelerator programs, and mentorship for startups. Who'd you talk to, and what do they have to say, Elliot? I talked with program coordinator Paige Oxendine about the E-Factory's relationship with the university and how startups can thrive in college towns. Paige, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. What is the history of E-Factory, and what is the organization's mission? Absolutely. Uh, so like you said, we are part of Missouri State University. So we're located here in Springfield, Missouri, actually uh, in the heart of downtown Springfield. So we are located off the main campus, um, but aren't alone. Downtown, we're actually part of what Missouri State and several of their partners refer to as the Idea Commons District. So there's actually an 88-acre district uh, just north of the downtown square here in Springfield, uh, where we're focused on fostering innovation, design, entrepreneurship, and the arts. Uh, so our building, the E-Factory, is obviously the E, the entrepreneurship component of that. And we've been up and running for just shy of six years now. And so we actually opened our doors to the public in March of 2013 with the goal of essentially being a one-stop shop for small business owners, entrepreneurs, people who are interested in starting a business or, or have exciting and innovative ideas in southwest Missouri. And so our program is home to a lot of different activities and a lot of different stuff on a day-to-day -day basis, but we've got 
private office space uh, geared mainly toward early stage technology companies. We've got a co-working space in the building. Uh, we do a lot of ongoing programming. Uh, our building also has our local chapter of the Small Business and Technology Development Center. So that brings with it a lot of trainings and direct one-on-one -on -one business consulting with business owners. Uh, we run an in-house accelerator program. So a little bit of everything all under one roof with the goal of uh, serving people throughout Southwest Missouri. How do you utilize Missouri State's resources to better achieve these goals? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so being part of the university brings with it really a wealth of resources for us and our program uh, that I think sets us up for success in a way that um, our model might not otherwise be as effective as it has been uh, if it weren't for our affiliation with the university. And so uh, really going back to Idea Commons, this entire area just north of the downtown square had become fairly blighted. Uh, our building is a former manufacturing facility, as are most of the buildings that have been rehabbed in the Idea Commons district. And so it's really uh, inspiring to see the university's commitment to economic development, to supporting entrepreneurship. Uh, and with that, of course, comes their commitment to this part of downtown and really seeing a resurgence of jobs. Uh, this part of downtown obviously saw the exit of a lot of jobs with the economic downturn uh, and manufacturing facilities closing. And so our whole goal and our, our whole mission is to, to bring jobs, particularly in high-wage, high-growth fields, uh, back to this part of downtown and, and back to Springfield as a whole. So uh, we actually are not affiliated with, with an academic unit or a college at Missouri State University. We report up through their Department of Research and Economic Development. Uh, so we've got some student ties and, and do quite a bit of work with various academic departments, uh, but report up through economic development, and that's really our mission. How does the community's proximity to a major university affect the startup landscape? Oh, I think it's a huge player. Uh, having the university, you know, the presence of a university of the size of Missouri State here in our community is obviously that in and of itself is an economic driver for our community and a really important part of making Springfield what it is. Uh, but having the connection to students who are obviously like really bright young people with lots of ideas, having faculty, having their various programs and all the outreach that comes with being part of a university uh, really does set us apart and I think positions us to be able to serve students, to serve general community members. Uh, like I said, we interface with students a lot. A lot of our founders who are here in the building are Missouri State alum, and so it's exciting for them to have that connection to kind of be back and be part of Missouri State again, if you will, uh, by now being clients of the E-Factory. What are the pros and cons of operating in a college town? Yeah, so like I said, with the pros, you always have that influx of students. It's really exciting each fall when the students return to town and you have people coming. Uh, certainly the generation of a lot of ideas. It's exciting to be able to pull students in when we do activities like, uh, you know, weekend-long hackathons here in the community or activities like Startup Weekend to see that student involvement and be able to work with professors and their classes and all of that is really exciting. Uh, you know, I think the con is what a lot of college towns face, which is we're always doing everything we can to really make sure students are aware of the broader community here in Springfield. Um, universities are great and that they're essentially their own little cities and so students can really you know, live and work on campus and often have uh, a little bit of a bubble or a fairly isolated view of the community. Uh, and it's really important for us, not here just at the E-Factory, but Springfield as a whole, to make sure we're messaging the students and making them aware of all the other opportunities that exist here in this community for them after graduation, that they don't have to leave, uh, that there are jobs here for them, there's a quality of life here for them, and there are a lot of opportunities here that, quite frankly, uh, we know most students just aren't made aware of during their time on campus. Next, we're headed east to St. Louis, where Elliot spoke with Jonathan Allen, editor-in-chief of EQ, an entrepreneurship outlet in St. Louis, 
I heard Forbes magazine named St. Louis one of the top 10 rising cities for startups in America last October. Yeah, and Jonathan gave us some insight into how St. Louis would continue its rise of the rest in 2019. Jonathan, thanks for coming on. What are some of the reasons Forbes named St. Louis a top rising city for startups last year? Well, I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, a lot of great work has been done uh, around bioscience and ag tech uh, in St. Louis. And uh, St. Louis and the kind of wider region has, um, you know, it's had some major companies here like Monsanto, now Bayer and uh, Pfizer. And if you look at what happened with uh, Pfizer, um, is that that it was kind of like, you know, them moving led to people like that whole workforce staying and developing a bioscience startup community here. And now that kind of there's been big changes in Monsanto, I think, uh, you know, investors are starting to think, well, there's going to be something similar uh, happen around ag tech. How does St. Louis build on these things to continue its rise of the rest? You know, the first thing is like, so Lewis has to just keep developing uh, network density. So a lot of the initiatives it's doing around making a more walkable city and connecting uh, lots of different kind of uh, parts of the city together through things like greenways and taking this kind of very sort of modern approach to like city building and kind of becoming less dependent on the car. I think those are good steps forward to this concept of network density. And then the other side of it is like uh, network density means, you know, you should be able to sort of drop in, you should be able to drop in a Silicon Valley investor and within 10 minutes they've met startup founders, other funders, you know, accelerator programs, all that stuff. What makes St. Louis startups ecosystem so unique? Yeah, I think like, you know, one of the unique things is that St. Louis is literally like right in the middle of the country. And so that makes it easy to get to Chicago and, you know, down into like get to Texas, Colorado, all these different states. I mean, there's, there's easy access here. Um, so I think that's interesting. Also, St. Louis has like an urban-rural divide, which is also kind of a, a big sort of global issue that has to be solved. St. Louis also just has a kind of interesting entrepreneurial history in the first place. Um, and I think historical factors just kind of give people more confidence in the future anyway. Um, and then, you know, you've got a lot of, there's just a lot going on here, you know, absolutely tons. And I think whereas New York or London, it's like the startup community is still a small, small part of the wider industry. In St. Louis, it's like the startup community is potentially a very big part of what's happening here. What are some new trends in the St. Louis startup scene for 2019? And what are some things for St. Louis startups to look out for? I think for reporters, you know, the thing to remember is like, when you're covering startups, the tendency is to always kind of talk about how much a company is worth and its valuation and whether it exited and things like that. And, um, you know, we may still be a long way off from lots of major exits that, um, you know, resemble something like Silicon Valley. But I think 
I think there's a lot going on in terms of how people are using, for instance, AI or mobility solutions or whatever it is. The way that people are applying technology to industry is interesting and unique and unusual. For companies, uh, for anyone thinking about, you know, launching a startup, I think the first thing is go and get involved in some of the co-working spaces like T-Rex, uh, Kobo, or, you know, 4240, and even the new building, 4220, and just kind of immerse yourself in what's happening in these co-working environments. Because there you'll meet a lot of people who are just kind of up to stuff. And, um, you know, there's plenty of accelerator programs and things. There's, there's a lot of um, ways to get started in St. Louis. Um, and there's a really good support structure for kind of getting people off the ground. Obviously, things get harder when it's about, you know, getting huge, you know, huge amounts of investment. But every city suffers from that. You know, St. Louis is not alone in that regard. I mean, in the end, you have to kind of, to get the big funding, you'll still need to rely on the coast. But it's much easier to get started in St. Louis. And the cost of living is, you know, reasonable enough that you get quite a lot of runway to kind of tinker with your idea and perfect it over time. And those are pressures that other cities, you know, there's much more pressure in other cities to kind of succeed from the outset. For our final interview, we brought it back home to Columbia, where Elliot met Colin Bunch and talked about Columbia's regional economic development. Elliot, what did you hear? Colin is working to develop a startup ecosystem in Columbia that rivals Missouri's larger cities by, quote, intentionally building entrepreneurs. I met him at the Ready offices in downtown Columbia to discuss what this means for 2019. All right, I am here with Colin Bunch from Ready, the Regional Economic Development Incorporated in Columbia. Colin, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So we can go ahead and get started with the history of Ready in Columbia and sort of what the organization's goal is and what they do to accomplish that goal. Okay. So Ready itself has been around for 30 years, working on you know growing the economy, growing quality jobs. They've focused on you know startups that whole time, but really the last seven years, we built out the space with the hub here and partnered more with Mizzou, the SBTDC, Women's Business Center. Uh, to be that focal point where everyone can come and get help no matter what stage they're at in their business. Yeah, and what did you mean when you told the Columbia Business Times that the biggest challenge facing the industry in groups like Ready is transitioning from building networks of support to intentionally building entrepreneurs, and how does Ready move towards that goal in 2019? Yeah, so I think uh, a lot of cities have adapted pretty quickly to building out resources for startups and especially those high growth companies, but getting more and more people to start a business, to think about being an entrepreneur who are on the fence. Um, and sometimes they start as a small business or mom and pop shop and then turn into something that's more innovative and scalable that creates more jobs down the road. And so instead of picking and choosing, you know, certain companies we want, really trying to encourage students and, you know, even kids, younger kids, people who are retiring all look at start a micro business, start some side business around your passion, you know, uh, pulling them out or helping them make that transition. What type of programs and sort of different events? I know you guys have a lot of different events. What type of stuff do you guys do to sort of target individuals specifically? Um, so I think what we found here is getting around a lot of niche 
areas. So it might be, you know, ag tech or we have a game jam coming up, uh, social ventures, you know, companies that have a social purpose as well as a for-profit purpose, um, doing those things that can draw people out and get them together with like-minded folks. And then they might start something together or they could help each other in their businesses. And then promoting those to the community and to the wider community. So helping them market, but also, you know, getting press and exposure for what they're doing that's unique. Speaking of being unique, what makes Columbia's startup scene unique, especially when we're comparing it to a place like Kansas City or St. Louis? Um, I think, you know, overall, there's a lot of like biotech, invention, you know, drugs, things that come out of Mizzou, Mizzou research that's pretty unique to Columbia. Beyond that, I think when I look at other cities, it's the level of really like scalable innovation or drive that people have here that cuts across a lot of industries because of all the different universities in town and that we draw in people from all over the world, it's hard to peg down a specific industry, but they all think big and want to do something global that has a disruptive effect on whatever industry they're looking at. What are some of the pros and cons of a startup community being in a college town? You obviously have the university resources to rely on, but at the same time, there might be some cons. Yeah, I think, yeah, so uh, some of the biggest pros, there's a lot of students, a lot of young, driven talent, and also just that energy permeates the culture and downtown and a lot of other things. You can get really amazing people for your company early on and get exposed to ideas. Uh, and then we have a lot of folks from other countries, so we can tap into those markets. You know, one of our games that launched, their first two markets were India and Lebanon, which wouldn't have happened except for they had some friends and contacts in those places. Uh, so they're already international. Uh, some of the cons, I think, you know, we don't have a fleshed out capital system like St. Louis or Kansas City. You know, there's a great Centennial Investors and the Midmo Tech Accelerator, but we don't have VC or a lot of those things here. Um, the flip side of that is that all of our companies have to make sense and make money. You know, we can't just raise money on this crazy idea. It needs to be something that creates value, that can make sales and grow, and then they'll find a way to get investment. Awesome. So what should we be looking for as far as trends in Columbia startups in 2019? And what should startups be looking for when they're trying to, you know, scale their business? Um, I think, you know, the hub, we've seen a real transition. We probably have more women-led founder companies uh, than men that are in the hub at this point. Um, I expect that to keep going in a lot of different areas, in tech and like different therapy stuff. Um, and then I think overall for Columbia, uh, getting outside of Columbia more, getting exposure outside the city, and then getting to St. Louis, Kansas City, um, and really using the statewide network. Uh, NovaQ is a great example of that. Anna Haney was the founder, tech company, utilized all the resources in mid-Missouri, and then you know went to Kansas City to Techstars and is back home in Moberly now. Uh, so I think that'll become the norm, and that'll be great. Well, that concludes our tour of Missouri startup ecosystems for this episode. Before we get out of here, should we share a quote with the audience? Sounds great. Yeah, let's do it, Elliot. Awesome. I have one from Matthew Mickelin, a founding member of SignalKit, which was one of Startland's startups to watch in 2019. He says, I think our initial success and investments are further proof that the Midwestern work ethic, the show-me attitude, and economics of being based in Kansas City are a unique benefit which generate innovative outcomes and products. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. For Suman Naishadam, Joe Cease, and editor Michael Stacy, I'm Elliot Bowman. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.